Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. How are you doing, Saints? You doing all right? Okay. It's been a wild day around here, and I'm sure it is in your life, too. You know how days come and go, particularly this past week. Uh, it's been a very busy one. Uh, tell you what, I want to wrap up First Peter today, if we can, okay? We've been looking at what Peter's been writing to these folks, and he's been encouraging them, even though they were in exile, uh, to stand firm, okay? to do some things, even though they were uh, not exactly where they thought they would be. Uh, so that's sort of the question I've got of us today. How are we doing? Okay. Remember what we saw in the last couple of episodes. Are we being sober of spirit? Are we being serious? Are we really behaving toward another, one another, in the way that we're supposed to? Are we walking in humility toward one another? That is such a major, major, major thing that is lacking within a huge part of the body of Christ today of walking in humility before one another. And, and you know, just a little sidebar on that. It, it creates such an air of defensiveness and, a, and an air of uh, among a body. I mean, I see it on a weekly basis just within our entire community. Um, you know, there's several portions of the body of Christ that I see ongoing. And uh, it's just it, it feeds this fear kind of thing where people are just really, really sort of quiet. Then those in leadership quite often uh, feel like they have to be like this or like that and just this boastful arrogance type of thing. And there's just no humility whatsoever before one another. And we forget that God's opposed to that. He's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I think if we were just to take it before the Lord and say, Lord, will you reveal to me, just me personally, what what I need to do, that he would do an amazing thing in each one of our lives. So we've seen that, that we are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, as Peter said, and then he would exalt us uh, at the proper time, and that we are to cast all of our cares, cast all of our anxiety upon him. And then he said this, be sober of spirit, be on the alert. Why? Because the enemy's prowling around, and he wants to devour, but we're to resist him firm in our faith. Resisting like that. And this resistance might bring forth suffering and cause suffering, but it's okay. He says, these same experiences suffered by brethren throughout all the world. And then he said, after you suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, isn't that great? All grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. That right there is a phrase. There's so many phrases here in the scripture that if we would just pay attention to them and believe what they say, if we simply believe what it says, it would take care of so much of the division within the body theologically. Okay? It says here, it's the God of all grace who called you. Okay, He has called us. He's called us to His eternal glory, and it's in Christ Jesus. It's in and through Christ Jesus. It is in that calling that we receive His eternal glory, that God will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Perfect here's the idea of completion. Okay, so he's talking about things that are yet to come, but it's also talking about things that are happening now. <clears throat> it is God who is the one that is completing us, that is perfecting us. It is God who is confirming us, confirming us in what he's called us to do, confirming us as believers. It is God who strengthens us, and it's the Lord God who establishes us. So for that reason, it, this builds upon what he said earlier, that we need to walk humbly before one another. Okay? And we need to submit ourselves humbly to him because he's the one that exalts us in the proper time. 
He's the one that will establish us. He's the one that will that will strengthen us. Now, I know I'm the chief of sinners within this arena. There is the temptation of wanting to uh, go out and to attain these type of things and think that we're doing it in the name of the Lord and think we're doing it for the kingdom and we're actually really doing it for self. Okay? Now, we can give a lot of reasons and a lot of rationalizations. But he says, no, don't do this. The God of all grace is the one who will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Then he said in verse 11, to him, that's the God of all grace, be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, that's not the end of the letter. He writes three more verses right here. And he's just basically saying uh, goodbye to the folks that he's writing to from the folks that are with him. Verse 12, he says, through Savannah, Silas, our faithful brother, for I so regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand in it. You know, when you read a letter like this or a certain portion of Scripture, one of the questions that you always need to ask is, well, what was the purpose of the writing, okay, particularly the letters? And this right here gives us the purpose of the writing. He says, through Silas, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly. And so either Silas wrote this as Peter was dictating it or uh, Silas delivered it okay, and or both. He says, I have written to you briefly doing what? Exhorting. Okay, the exhortation. Uh, exhortation is like uh, uh, encouragement on steroids. The example I always use for that is the uh, the old football coach. You can't do this nowadays. Remember the old football coaches that would grab the player by the face mask and shake it and say, get out there, you can do it, then just throw them out there on the field? That's exhortation. Uh, that's exhortation. Mama is the one that comes along and encourages you. So he says, I'm exhorting you. And then he did this, testifying that this is the true grace of God. Well, that what is the true grace of God? What they were experiencing, what he was telling them about what the Lord had done for them, that even though they had gone through times of trial and continue to go through persecutions and sufferings and things like that, that this is the true grace of God that you have experienced, stand firm in it. In other words, don't waver from it. And the way we have that temptation today is, so much of what passes as the preaching of the true grace of God, the true gospel message of the kingdom of God, is not that at all. Okay, It's a little easy believism or it's a word of faith type of thing. If you truly believe God would give you anything you want and everything would be perfect in life, you don't see that in the scripture. So he tells them, this is the true faith. What I've been telling you, this is the true grace. So stand firm in it. Verse 13, she who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, and so does my son, Mark. Well, that's a cryptic little thing right there. So we see that Silas is with him. We see that Mark is with him. I don't know if it's, it's likely John Mark. She who is in Babylon, and it's also a debate about who this may be and this kind of stuff. More than likely, I'm thinking that it refers to the church, the body of Christ, who is in Rome. In other words, he was writing this uh, a, a little carefully, uh, in case the wrong Roman guard got a hold of the letter, they didn't want to be accused of sedition or anything like that. He's just saying, hey, the body of Christ here, the ones that are chosen together with you, sends you greetings. In other words, you're not alone in this. We're here. Then in verse 14, he says, Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to you all who are in Christ. <laughs> and so he's saying, all of you who are in Christ, may the peace of Christ be upon you. If you're not in Christ, you're not going to have any peace. The greet one another with a kiss of love is interesting. 
uh, because you can see other portions of Scripture, the, a holy kiss is the idea, that it's a greeting, that we're to greet one another, we're to love one another. I'll tell you a funny story, and then we'll be out of here, okay? Years and years and years ago at a local church here, I was helping them out for a little while, and I'd just been there a couple of months. And uh, uh, one of the staff members, who's just a, a great, great guy, stood up and did the, you know, the welcoming time, the greeting time, that kind of stuff. And I was going to do a song or something following that we were going to sing. And somehow I wind up just sort of speaking to this greeting thing. And I said, you know, we're supposed to greet one another with a holy kiss. So I grabbed him and just gave him a kiss on the cheek kind of thing. Well, he stood up the next week, I think it was, or two weeks later and resigned. <laughs> Went to another church position. So I told him, I said, man, I never thought that, you know, that that kiss of love, of greeting one another, as it says in First Peter, would cause you to leave. Well, he just laughed. It was a running joke. I didn't know it. He'd been talking with the church for quite a while about uh uh, going into a position there, which he did. What's being spoken of here is that we are to love one another. We're to greet one another. And uh, and this is not speaking of any type of sexual overtones or anything like that. It's just a traditional greeting of the day, which you will see in Europe quite often in, in, in Central America, uh, even among men. So he's saying this, you live in the peace of God because you are in Christ. Even though you're going through the suffering, even though you're going through all the things we've addressed right here, you know that you are one another. You know that you're not alone. You have those that are receiving this letter and those of us back here who are writing it, we are with you. So be at peace, all of you who are in Christ. I think that's a great word for us also. Again, I'm Dale. I'll see you again next time. Goodbye.